Hello and welcome to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm Vedahi Mehta, joined by my two buds today, Joe Fabish. Welcome back. Hey, it's good to be back. I'm excited. Yeah, and we also have the one, the only, Andy Leonetti. Ahoy hoy. <laughs> I feel like you're going to have a lot of hot takes on today's issue, Andy, in particular. <laughs> no. We have, this is kind of our um, third dose of hashtag free Britney, but a different Britney. Britney Griner, um, who you guys might have all heard of, is making major headlines internationally. And that Not is... Not for her basketball. Yeah, unfortunately for some for some less fun reasons. So for the folks who might not have heard about Brittany outside of her basketball, at least, Joe, you want to tell the folks at home what's going on lately? Sure. Yeah, I'll give it a shot here. So I've mentioned before, I am a big sports fan, but I do not follow professional basketball too closely. Uh, But from what I'm led to understand, a lot of players in the WNBA play overseas in the offseason as as a way to supplement their income. Uh, They make way more money playing in playing in Russia. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And they actually some of them, including, I believe, Brittany, before she joined Russia, made kind of a pitiful amount in the in the women's NBA in the WNBA I think it was is this right I heard like 40 grand that that seems insane It can be I think I think they've made some strides recently to uh bring up salaries a bit but players like Brittany it's not uncommon for players like Brittany Griner and Diana Tarazi's caliber to make over a million dollars playing in Russia Oh nice so you can see why she would be tempted to go to Russia and play um unfortunately When she went there back in February, she was detained at the airport by Russian authorities, and apparently they alleged that they found a vape cartridge with cannabis oil inside. And this is not legal under Russian law, so she was arrested, and she has been in detention since then. So she's been in Russian... Yeah, she's been in a Russian prison since February, which I imagine is not not pleasant. Uh, And so we're going to talk today about what happens when you do get arrested in a foreign country, what options Brittany has moving forward, and what, if anything, the U.S. government can do about it. So we're wading into international law, which... Mm-hmm. Our listeners will not be surprised to discover can it's be almost a misnomer. Yeah, can be can be complex and uh, a little bit uncertain. So we'll do our best. We'll provide some basic information and a few tips if you're traveling internationally sometime this year. Uh, we'll have some tips for you on what to do to avoid this situation because none of us wants to end up in a foreign jail where you do not necessarily have the same rights afforded to you that you do in our great country. (laughs) Yeah. We did a recent episode, uh, two episodes ago in the Supreme Court roundup about one of the cases being the, the case that didn't quite overturn Miranda rights, but but sort of dialed them back a notch. And yeah, it's important to know, as you said, Joe, we have these sort of Miranda rights um, 
as a criminal defendant in the United States where you're read, where you're read your rights, your rights to an attorney, your rights to remain silent. And right now, Brittany Griner and, and you know others in her situation do not have those same rights if they are in other countries, of course. Those rights only apply in the United States. So it's important to keep in mind that when you're traveling. Yeah, so let's talk first about what's happening specifically in this case, because we hear a lot about efforts by the State Department or the Biden administration, and there's some political overtones to this because of the ongoing conflict in the Ukraine. So this is complicated a little bit by the fact that Brittany Griner is a well-known athlete uh, who can get a lot of support domestically and who can get the attention of people in the government. So there are some options that would not be available normally, like a prisoner swap or something along those lines. Yeah, Joe, you mentioned prisoner swaps. Right now, the Biden administration is maybe facing a little bit of pressure to do one of those, um, specifically with a very different character from Brittany. There is a Victor Bout who was arrested in 2008 and is a notorious Russian arms dealer. He's known actually as the Merchant of Death. And he's right now serving a sentence of 25 years in federal prison for things like conspiring to sell weapons to people who allegedly were trying to kill Americans, um, including <laughs> including selling international aircraft missiles to federal agents that were posing as members of the Colombian, the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia or FARC. And so that is a very different it's, it, it seems like a pretty uneven exchange were that to happen for Brittany. Right? Yeah, well, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because for us regular folks, this generally isn't an option. But if you are somebody like uh, Trevor Reed, a former U.S. Marine who was held in Russia for two years, actually, what he says are completely bogus charges of assault, uh, but the U.S. did do a prisoner swap with him. And again, we're talking about a former U.S. Marine on assault charges. And he was swapped for somebody who the federal gov- the U.S. federal government had apprehended for international drug smuggling. So, yeah, I think to, to go along with your point, Vedahi, about sometimes this being uneven, Trevor Reed, we needed to give up an international drug trafficker for Brittany Griner, we may need to give up an international arms dealer. So you can see why this is only an option. But this is this, certain yeah, circumstances. Yeah. And this ain't a diplomacy podcast. <laughs> but the but to that point, Andy, so much of international quote law is diplomacy. You know, it's it, mm-hmm. extradition outside of this, you know, between countries isn't really governed by what we consider to be like true law. It's governed by treaties, which aren't always binding, right? Mm-hmm. And they and they vary from the country that we have the treaty with. It's not just on our end, uniform. Mm-hmm. One of those normal people stories that one of those how normal people might not get the same treatment, like Joe mentioned, there's another mm-hmm. there's another case that is currently in the news. 
um, that has been in the news over this summer is his name is Mark Fogel. He is an he is a teacher in Moscow. Uh, he's an American citizen. He's a teacher in Moscow. Uh, last August, he was arrested for essentially the same thing as Brittany Griner. Uh, he had more pot allegedly on him uh, concealed in like contact lens cases and shoes and blah 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 when he was coming back to Moscow after after being in America um and he was just sentenced he was just convicted and sentenced to 14 years in a hard labor camp wow um in Russia and so his and so his family is kind of loudly and vocally in the news trying to cajole the US State Department into into naming Mark Fogel as quote wrongfully detained, which is what which is how the U.S. State Department views Brittany Griner, uh, which is why mm. which is why they are currently negotiating for her release. But when you don't, they they have to the U.S. government has to consider you quote wrongfully detained before they really really throw their full like diplomatic weight behind trying to bring you home. And there might not be an incentive to yeah. do that unless you're famous or your your family is here in the United you have someone fighting for your cause here in the United mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're on your own traveling solo and and then you, you end up in a situation like this, we might never know about it. So first, I think we should go back quick and talk about some of the options facing Brittany Griner. And then I do want to touch mm-hmm. on that point, Vedi, because it, it's an important one in terms of ways that the consular department can and cannot help you if you're facing mm-hmm. a similar situation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every country is going to be different. Uh, obviously, Russia has some corruption issues. No. Uh, yeah, I know. Sorry to sorry to break no, some devastating news. What? Uh, On top of that, it's a particularly bad time to get <laughs> caught in Russia because on top of all of this being political, there's extra pressure on Putin to curry back favor with his people by getting someone that they want back mm-hmm. back, like this merchant of death and, that, and the guy that worked for FARC. And that's why this exchange... You might call it farcical if it were to happen. <laughs> hey! Oh man! Oh, where's our? I'll, oh, I'll, in, I'll add a rim shot. Man. Into the, uh... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Over Andy's boo. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. What I wanted to mention was that in Russia, if you're charged by Russian authorities, they get something like a ninety-nine percent conviction rate uh which you may have heard Brittany Griner pled guilty this isn't necessarily something that the U.S. government is taking as an admission of guilt like you mentioned Mm -hmm. Andy uh they're they're saying that she was wrongfully detained and but she pled guilty probably in the hopes of just like here getting a more lenient sentence uh obviously if you're caught with weed like your horror story just now andy Mm -hmm. with um being sentenced to 
years and years of hard labor. Um, you know, it's no joke. I, I'm sure she's terrified and I'm sure her family is terrified too. Uh, so she pled guilty and she's arguing a few things like it was used for medical purposes. Uh, she didn't have a lot on her. She said that she never intended to break any laws. Now, that doesn't matter, of course. Right. Uh, ignorance doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to get arrested and convicted. Uh, you have to know the laws of the country that you're in. Even an innocent mistake where there's just some remnants of something that's perfectly legal where Brittany came from, you know, she can still absolutely get prosecuted under under Russian law. Yeah, that's the same defense that Mark Fogel tried to use was that uh, he was prescribed the he was prescribed the marijuana in the U.S. for a back for a back injury. Um, and then I was also in preparing for this episode. I read about um, an American teen who was freed from uh, a Russian prison after a month. She was a 19 year old. This was in 2019. She uh, Audrey Lorber went went to uh, St. Petersburg with her mom on a trip and she had her own medical marijuana and the prescription for it with her. And she spent a month in a Russian jail and then pled guilty and was released mm -hmm. with some, that was 2019 U S Russian relations were obviously at a different, at a different, uh, low point before this year's extra low. Yeah. And, and in some cases, like in that situation, it's better to not be famous mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I, like you said, this is not a, you know, international relations podcast, mm -hmm. but, but there can be circumstances where it's good to not be an attractive yes. prisoner to somebody in charge. Um, Cause now Putin obviously will use whatever leverage he has. And uh, he reads, or at least his, his government reads plenty of stuff coming out of the U.S. So if there's political pressure. And he listens to this podcast, too. I didn't know if you knew that. Yeah. What? <laughs> shut up. Yeah, shout out to the world's worst president. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Vladdy. Yeah. Oh, he was that anonymous commenter we got. Okay, figured out, figured it out. Um, but I know we've been picking a lot on Russia, uh, unsurprisingly, maybe, uh, in, in, in these cases. But of course, you know, y'all remember that treaties are different from country to country and you know you're not necessarily safe just because you're in a country that you might consider more democratic um it's important to just 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 watch what you're doing when you're abroad traveling general general recommendation life advice I think right we're gonna make yeah. that recommendation several times throughout this episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Singapore um, is a beautiful place, but I think if you litter in Singapore, your mm, face... Don't spit your yeah, gum out or don't chew yeah, gum something or something. like that. So yeah, you never quite know. But you can go on the State Department website, the U.S. State Department website, and get information on the countries that you're traveling to. And they'll give you some of those warnings about mm -hmm. what you can and cannot do and just kind of a way to stay under the radar and uh, get your business done or enjoy your vacation, whatever you need to do. Now, so we should note that some of these charges in Russia are for marijuana-related offenses, but it's not like those offenses couldn't be charged in a lot of 
places in the United States too, right? So what if you were to get charged? You know, what if you're from a state where weed is all legal? Like you're from Colorado, you're traveling over to, I don't know, Georgia, my hometown, and you get caught with possession or something like that. Well, what about then? You know, you're not in a different country. How does, there is a thing, actually it's in the constitution, there is an extradition clause of the constitution as well as extradition laws that apply to internally to our country and between states. Even though there's no, like I said, there's no official extradition law as applied to other countries. What about that? Well, to me, those are those are two different questions mm-hmm. a little bit. One is transporting a substance that may be illegal under federal law, which we can talk about that a little bit. Um, but there's also just the law of the place that you're traveling to. And mm-hmm. just like with international law, you want to be careful that wherever you're traveling to, you're obeying local and state laws. Uh, so if you're traveling to Georgia, you will definitely want to not bring any marijuana with you. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's funny because we have, like, a key part of the Constitution is the Privileges and Immunities Clause. And that comes from a long history of sort of federalist concerns and wanting to have more united colonies back in the day in the 1700s. But basically... On its face, the Privileges and Humanities Clause, in, like generally, entitles a citizen of one state while traveling, you know, as you said, Joe, to equal treatment with the local citizens of that state, right? So it basically it prohibits discrimination on the basis of a citizen's state of residence, right? Um, this extends to like certain fundamental rights that include travel. Um, residence, trade, employment, property rights. But even though the language literally says it applies to all privileges and immunities, some rights don't actually fall into this. I mean, a clear one is is voting rules, right? Uh, Or holding political office, right? You don't have the right to vote or or run for office in in a state outside your own. And then like non-fundamental activities like hunting and recreational fishing and things like that. And the flip side of, I mentioned the Privileges and Immunities Clause because sort of the flip side of this clause is the extradition clause of the Constitution that I was alluding to. Um, And this provides for the return of people that are charged with a crime in one state who might have fled to another state. And so it sort of has each, each state has to help enforce the criminal jurisdiction of another state. Um, And you know, this has, it shouldn't be surprising that this had a lot of uh, implications back in, back in this days of slavery, right? Um, it didn't have quite as much, uh, con- you know, it wasn't quite as contentious as the, the, the fugitive slave clause, which is closely related in, in the text of the Constitution. But all of the, all of the issues that kind of followed in the wake of the extradition clause were, were slavery related. Um, But in addition to the Constitution, there's federal law, uh, 18 U.S.C. 3182, that requires extradition between states, uh, as well as most states have adopted the Uniform Criminal Extradition Act, uh, everyone except Missouri, hey, Andy, and South Carolina. Um, But all states have some kind of, you know, rule similarly in place that, you know, if you if you get caught, 
in one state. Um, like, 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 for example, if you get caught with pot in Georgia, but you're a resident of Colorado, you or or not a resident of Colorado, you can't just go to Colorado and escape that criminal conviction from Georgia if you were arrested and charged with it just because it's legal in Colorado. Uh, I mean, I and I, it's kind of a moot if if you're talking about federal criminal law, but but most criminal law is state to state, so so you really got to watch where you're doing what, um, and you can't get off scot free. Um, the and, and the process, like there's there's really not a good defense to it either. Like the process begins when you like a typical criminal process. You know, you got to have probable cause, out of state warrant, all, all that stuff. But when when you have an out of state warrant that information is typically entered into like this this database this national crime information center database and so like if you commit a crime in california and then go over all the way across the country to new york the new york police are still going to be able to see your arrest warrant in california and like i don't know if they will but they certainly can notify california so yeah the new york police are going to be able to see your california arrest warrant and the California police will will be notified probably. Um, the, the, there's not a lot of case law on this. There's a really old case called Kentucky v. Denison that basically said, oh, okay, well, the asylum state, which is the state that, that you're fleeing to, um, doesn't really have any authority to enforce the duty to return you if another state asks for it. But that was overturned in a couple decades ago in the 1987 case of Puerto Rico v. Brandstad. And in the case of Puerto Rico v. Brandstad, and that said, you know, it overruled Denison and said that the governor of the asylum state doesn't have any discretion in being able to keep you. They they have to enforce the duty to return you. So there, it's 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 gonna it's gonna you're gonna be there. There is an obligation to return you, and there's not a lot of defenses to state by state, like state to state extradition, right? As long like the only defenses you could possibly have is like some kind of flaw in the cr- criminal procedure, like maybe the documents weren't in order, or did the person really get charged with a crime in the state that's demanding him back? Uh, was he named properly in the extradition request? Like, as long as the state that's demanding you back, like, followed all the criminal procedure, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of defenses. Um, one exception is maybe, the only exception that I can really think of in your favor, and it's not a great one, is that if you're in an asylum state, but you're serving a sentence there, they have to wait until your sentence there is served and then they can extradite you, but that's not exactly good news. Um, so yeah, you're kind of you're kind of SOL if you are trying to flee to a state where your crime was legal for asylum. Yeah, and that's true uh, of fleeing the country for another country as well. The U.S. has extradition treaties with quite a few different countries. This is not an episode on how to escape the law and justice, <laughs> so we don't necessarily need to get into who has extradition treaties. But yeah, if, if you flee the country, it may well be possible for the U.S. to bring you back. And that, again, gets more into international law about the country you're fleeing to and how much they want to cooperate and, and that sort of thing. But getting back kind of to the main topic about 
what happens if you're arrested in a foreign country, that doesn't really have to do with extradition because what you're doing is you're being subjected to the laws of the country that you're in. And so you do have to go through that country's legal process. So if you are arrested abroad, you're going to want to do one thing immediately, which is contact <laughs> the U.S. consular office. And they have some ability to help, but not as not much as you might yep. like. Uh, you might think like, oh, they'll provide a lawyer or they'll try to get no. me out of jail. No. No, they no, they will not. Um, what they can do is make sure that you're being treated humanely under international standards. So uh, if they do reach out to you, they'll make sure that you're getting enough food. They can bring like vitamin supplements and things. They can put you in contact with a local attorney. Mm -hmm who speaks English, so you'll at least have an idea of what you're facing and the punishments and that sort of thing. Uh, but no, they will not swoop in and, and save you, unfortunately. And they will not bring you back to the U.S., even if there's an extradition treaty or anything like that. You will not be facing U.S. justice. You'll be facing the justice of whatever country you happen to have yeah. allegedly broken the law in. Yeah, the State Department's website explicitly says we cannot... Bullet list. Get U.S. citizens out of jail. <laughs> State to a court that anyone is guilty or innocent. Provide legal advice or represent U.S. citizens in court. Serve as official interpreters or translators. Or pay legal, medical, or other fees. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Secretary Blinken. <laughs> and remember, this also only applies to criminal charges. So I think one example that came to mind is we did a podcast on, on, on Prince, uh, on Prince Andrew, mm -hmm. who was facing civil charges, right in the, in the Jeffrey Epstein case with the, with Virginia Jeffrey, and he didn't face criminal charges. So for that reason, he couldn't be extradited to the US for for that case, mm -hmm. since it was yep. civil. Yep, that's just a lawsuit. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this Preparing this has made me think a lot about the movie Broke Down Palace. Any, oh, geez, I haven't seen that one. Remembers the joke, no. you remember that's, that? an, that's an older one, isn't it? That yeah. like 2000s? It's like, like 99, 2000. Yeah, it starred yeah. Uh, yeah. Claire Danes. Um, oh, wow. She is on vacation in Thailand with a friend. And she, her and her friend become enamored with this like uh, dashing good-looking Australian man who turns out as a drug smuggler and he mm -hmm. plants a uh, heroin in their bag to throw police off of the scent of him. And they are detained and basically thrown in a, uh, in a Thai prison for uh, decades. And it's a, uh, it's not good. The result is not good. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I have, I'll be real. Everyone who listens to our podcast is an adult. Anytime I'm somewhere that's like a very kind of tourist heavy area. Um, I remember it was especially prevalent in Lisbon. Um, it was uh, very prevalent in Marrakesh. Um, a lot of people ask you if you want to buy some hash. And my response was always, no, God, no, no, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, international travel is a not a good place to uh, 
go crazy. I, uh, it's a very good place to keep your head on your shoulders. Yeah, I even I've I've traveled in both uh, Cuba and Vietnam, and um, while certainly not the same as it was decades ago or whatever, um, I in both of those fairly authoritarian countries, I I double checked my bags very closely when I was leaving mm-hmm. the hotel and going to a, going to the airport. Um, I knew I didn't have anything in them, but I, that kind of, the kind of stuff about like being thrown in like a Cuban prison, um, did not sit well with me. And it made me, uh, it, I did double check my bags. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, I'm, I'm, I'm careful too. Ever since I was 10 years old and I went to Paris and I tried to sneak onto the Metro without paying. Oh and I was, yeah, and I, and I was stopped by the French police. Those guys, um, those those, they're always out looking for tickets when, right when you try to uh, jump the gate. Yep, yep. So uh, I lost some of my spending money in that happened to go into the pockets of the police officers who stopped oh, me. Man. So I, I learned my lesson. Fortunately, I you just gotta be a better pickpocket. Joe. <laughs> Speaking of which, you, you know, you you might be SOL 